Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda. I'm married to Daryl and we have been married for 32 years. I cannot even believe that. We also have eight kids and we have been homeschooling for over 26 years. We also have eight grandkids, which we are very, very happy about. Um, We're excited because Really, only two of our kids have had children yet. One is, uh, and then another is having their first. So we're just at the beginning of an explosion in our family, and we are we're thrilled. We couldn't be more delighted. We think children are a blessing. We know they are a blessing, and we've lived that way over the years. But you know, the scriptures are clear that They are a blessing to a righteous man. And what does a righteous man do? A righteous man walks in obedience to God's word. And God's word gives us some pretty clear direction on parenting and disciplining. And that's what we're going to be talking about today because all of that directly affects your homeschooling. You know, your homeschooling is going to go so much better if your children are growing in character and they understand the boundaries and they're respecting you and there's a general respect in the home and there's just a peace that comes with that that you can't get anywhere else. And so I'm glad you've joined me today. Um, I really would love for you to go check out my book, The 4-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life. Um, It's just a book full of encouragement And um, even some uh, questions that you might not have ever asked yourself about education that will really help you catch a vision for what it can look like for your family. So go check out the four-hour school day. And uh, you can find that on Amazon.com. You can find it at my website, DorendaWilson.com, or you can find it at any of your favorite booksellers. And, you know, maybe one of the reasons that you listen to this podcast is because you have been looking for or hopefully finding a homeschool mentor. If that's the case, I am so thankful that you're here. It's always so great to find someone who's been where you are and can help you along the way. And I just have to tell you that that's what Homeschooling Today magazine is. Except instead of just one mentor, you get access to a whole team of experienced homeschoolers. You'll find my columns called Mom to Mom. It's kind of like Dear Abby. Um, oh, wait, no. Mom to Mom is my is my regular article. The new one is called Dear Dorinda. So it's kind of like Dear Abby. Moms write in questions and then we pick one and I answer it in the next um, ep- episode, <laughs> in the next issue of the magazine. So I want to invite you to subscribe, then go grab a cup of coffee when it comes and find a comfy place to get away for a while. Consider it a time when you and I can get together and chat for a bit. You will be delighted to find many other voices that I trust to speak life into your homeschooling journey as well. Let them encourage, inspire, and walk alongside you. Let them help you to homeschool boldly with courage and freedom and an unhurried heart. So check out Homeschooling Today. I will leave a link in the show notes. It's just homeschoolingtoday.com. I mentioned before, we're going to be talking about disciplining our kids. 
I'll be talking about what it is, why it's important. And in the next episode, I'll be talking about practical parenting in hopes that you'll be able to catch a vision for what it might look like in your home. I'm going to share actual real life stories about things that I did to deal with common um, discipline issues in the home. And so hopefully you'll find some humor because there's some pretty funny stories and and some creativity. You know, sometimes you just need someone to give you permission to think outside the box and to kick mom guilt to the curb and really engage in your role, um, your biblical role as parents. I've been talking about this for a little while now. Um, I keep bringing it back up over and over again because I think that a lot of believers aren't, they're not fully uh, focused on, engaged in, and don't actually really know what their role is as a parent. Um, so it's, you know, so today I'm going to be talking about discipline. And I realized that when I titled this, that some of you might think that I'm talking about disciplining ourselves as moms. Today I'm specifically talking about disciplining children, but living into our biblical role as moms requires consistency, and that requires us to discipline ourselves. So yes, there is a certain amount of discipline for us as well. And as I shared a, a few minutes ago, I've really been strongly compelled recently to continue on this topic of character growth and discipline. And I really feel like it's a compelling from the Lord to continue on this topic for a little while. Maybe it's because I've been getting messages and emails from you and many of them are questions and concerns about discipline. You know, last week I shared one mom's email with several questions and concerns that she had that I'm sure many of us can relate to. And if you didn't listen to that, I encourage you to do that. I will include that link in the show notes. Some of us were raised in homes where consistent, healthy boundaries were set, but many of us were not. I can I think I can safely say that overall the church has done a horrible job of equipping parents in their biblical role as parents. And many parents aren't reading their Bibles to find out what God has to say about raising kids. Many churches are teaching and Christian parents are using nothing less than worldly approaches to parenting, which is to say unbiblical approaches to parenting. But God doesn't call us to anything but biblical parenting, and that looks a whole lot different than much of what we are seeing and hearing. I will say, though, that biblical parenting yields far better results. Now, back in January, I invited Pastor Wes back on the podcast to talk about the biblical importance of family. If you haven't listened to that podcast, I would highly recommend that you do that and encourage you to have your husbands listen as well. And I'm going to leave a link to that in the show notes because if you missed that one, you're definitely going to want to go back to that. He has some amazing things to say. But one of the things that he mentioned is that Sometimes he finds himself needing to convince couples of something that he thought was a given. And that given is that family is our top priority, right? That the, the importance of family is, is, is biblical and it is absolutely, you know, absolutely important. But in order to do that, um, to sort of convince these couples of what he thought was a given, he asked this question. 
Name something that is more important on this earth than family. Name an industry or a career that produces something more important than the family. What does he get? He gets silence. He gets crickets because there is nothing. We know this in our gut. There is nothing more important because the family produces people, image bearers of God that they, the parents, shape and bring up into maturity and thrust on the world for good or for bad. This is why it's essential that we understand the importance of our role and fully embrace this responsibility. I will include a link to two messages by Pastor Wes on parenting if you'd like to hear more of what he has to say. So God's original mandate to mankind is to steward and exercise dominion over the earth, and that includes our own households. As parents, we are to take complete and full responsibility for our kids. We are not abdicating those responsibilities to anyone else, not schools, not the government, not the church, or anyone else. The family is established by God, and it is to be governed by dads and moms, by the parents. And of course, God is over them. Dad is the head of the household, and mom, I feel like she's sort of like the neck that helps turn the head, you know? They work together um, in just a symbiotic relationship in their marriage and in their parenting. And, you know, this is this is God's plan for family. And, you know, obviously, we know, obviously, hopefully, after I just stated it, that we don't want to abdicate these responsibilities to anyone else. I do want to say that that doesn't mean that we're not looking for wisdom, for input, for insight from other people. I have taken my child to an, um, you know, uh, a place for speech therapy. I have, you know, that's not my area of expertise, but I knew as a mom that he needed help. And so I went and found that resource and I determined with my husband whether or not that was an appropriate and good thing for our son. That's our job. And I've mentioned this before in other podcasts, you know, even if you send your kids to school or to an activity, you are allowing whoever is there to speak into your children's lives. Now, that doesn't mean we need to be paranoid and we never let our kids do anything, but just be aware that you are you are allowing that and ultimately you are responsible for that. Sometimes I would, you know, as my kids got older and they got into more activities, we, I would always pray um, when I sent them, you know, Lord, help them not to experience anything that they shouldn't see help them not to see, hear, or experience anything that you don't want them to. And then I knew that if a negative thing happened, that, okay, God allowed that. Let's see what God has for us in this. What kind of conversation do we need to have? What kind of topic do we need to discuss, you know, because of that thing that's gone on? What is God wanting to do through that negative um, experience? So um, all that to say, uh, that the family is established by God and it is to be governed by dads and moms. We are the ones who carry that full responsibility. We are the ones who are going to stand before the Lord. I sometimes have moms ask me, you know, well, you know, my child doesn't want this, that, or the other thing. And it's like, well, 
Who's the parent? You know, obviously we're going to listen to our children. We're going to be tuned into them. But at the end of the day, is our child going to stand before God for how they are parented? No, we are going to stand before God. So we need to keep that in the forefront of our minds. God created the family. His design was for a man and a woman to marry for life. And I know that there are things that happen that, you know, so if you're a a single mom listening, please don't hear condemnation here. We just know that we live in a sinful world and things happen and God is, you know, full of grace and mercy, but his original um, perfect design was that for uh, that a man and a woman would marry for life and raise children to know and honor him. Malachi 2.15 says, Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Are you guys ready for this answer? It's, this blew me away. Godly offspring. I'm going to read that again. Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. And then it goes on to say, so be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. That is encouragement for marriages to stay together. Do whatever you have to do um, to have that strong, healthy marriage and to stay together. Um, But what God is wanting from us is he wants godly offspring. Because the ramifications of that are incredible. And as Pastor West said in the last in that episode on the biblical importance of family, he said, why do you think that the family is constantly being targeted? The enemy knows that a godly family and godly offspring are a unmovable force against his kingdom. So regardless of the means by which children enter a family, children are a gift from God whether it's adoption, biological, foster, stepchildren, um, they are a gift from God and he cares about how they are raised. Psalm 127.3 says, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Psalm 34.11 says, come my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 23, 13, and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they will not die. Punish them with the rod and save them from death. Now, I know that's a whole nother topic. Spanking is a whole nother topic. But I think the point that we want to really walk away with for this in this particular scenario is that we need to discipline our kids. We're doing it for their good. So let's read some scriptures that tell us more of what we need to know about parenting. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3. First, it's going to address the children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers... Do not provoke your children to wrath or anger, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So what we see in that in that passage is this is what children are called to, to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor father and mother, first commandment with the promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. In other words, 
children need our wisdom. They need us to instill wisdom in them because they're not born with it. And as we give them wisdom and we pass wisdom onto them and they are teachable and they take it in and they learn it, um, and it becomes part of who they are, it can save them from, uh, you know, from an early death. It can save them from things they don't really want them, they don't want to experience ultimately, and we don't want them to experience. But let's first focus on our responsibility as parents. We are responsible not to provoke our children to anger. We need to provide a setting that is gracious and loving, but firm. We are not milk toast parents, but neither are we, you know, ruling over with a with a stick. Disciplining from anger or fear or guilt will provoke our kids to anger as well as not making and keeping firm boundaries. I'm going to read that again. Disciplining from anger or fear or guilt will provoke our kids to anger as will not making and keeping firm boundaries. In other words, if we hold the boundary sometime and we let it go other times, we're inconsistent. That provokes our children to anger. And that's something to be considering when your children are acting out. And then also when deciding, how am I going to respond to this? We need to ask ourselves if we're angry, fearful, or guilt, feeling guilty. And we need to ask the Lord to... Um, clarify to us and give us wisdom how to respond to our children. Sometimes I would even ask myself, is this child acting out because I've been inconsistent? And if that's the case, I need to make that right with them. And I've done that. I've said, you know, I haven't been holding your feet to the fire. This is a boundary we've always had. And somehow I let it go. I want you to know I'm pulling it back in. And I'm sorry that I, that, that was confusing for you. You know that that's the boundary. You do have a responsibility in this. I do too. So I'm going to make sure that you're keeping this boundary like I'm supposed to. So uh, some other ways that we can provoke our children to anger is by setting impossible standards. Now, that doesn't mean we're never requiring our kids to try harder to do something again. That's a whole different topic. But when we are setting impossible standards, you know, not considering their age, their development, all that kind of thing, and the child. Like, you know they're capable of more. It's okay to press them to do more. But we don't want to set impossible standards. We don't want to tease or ridicule or humiliate them, um, you know, at any point in time. But also when we're inconsistent or we're hypocritical, that's another red flag that can provoke our kids to anger. Now, hypocrisy, if you're not sure exactly what that word means, it means, um, you know, basically the rules are for thee and not for me. So I'm asking my child to be honest, but I'm not honest. I'm asking my child to have great follow through, but my follow through sucks. Okay. Again, we're not perfect, so we need to be careful that we're not allowing guilt to come in and 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 rule the day and, and rule the situation and drive our um, response to that. But we need to ask ourselves and, and, you know, in prayer and ask the Lord to reveal our hearts to us. Am I hypocritical? You know, do I need um, to, you know, apologize for just asking something from them consistently that I'm not consistently willing to give? All right. So instead of provoking them, this is what we're called to do. We're called to bring them up 
in the discipline and instruction or nurture and admonition of the Lord. Translations use different wording, but it basically, it means that parents should train their children the way God trains us. So this is why we need to be immersed in the word. Um, You know, again, doesn't have to be copious amounts, but we're in it regularly. So we know our God and we know how he's directing us and correcting us so that I always like to say, um, Jesus is discipling us as we disciple our children. So we're all learning as we go along the way. So as a father, God's example is that he is slow to anger. Numbers 14, 18 and Psalm 145, 8. He's patient, Psalm 86, 15, and forgiving, Daniel 9, 9. His discipline is designed to bring us to repentance, Hebrews 12, 6 through 11. His instruction is found in his word, John 17, 17, and Psalm 119, 97. And he desires that parents fill their homes with his truth. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7 was a passage that my husband and I um, was really the, the final... Uh, the final word on the fact that we were going to homeschool or just really maybe affirmation because we knew we wanted to homeschool, but this was sort of like, and this is why, okay? Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 7. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. In other words, God's commandments and principles and his thoughts and what he thinks about things. Our kids are immersed in that all the time through conversation, through um, when they're getting up, when we're sitting down, when when we're lying down, when we're walking along the road. To me, you look at that and that is spending time with our kids. That's actually being with them. And this is why I am not a fan of too many activities. In fact, I think it's unhealthy. A certain amount of activities can be a blessing, but oh my goodness, filter them. If you're not able to spend adequate amount of time discipling your children because you've got too many activities going on, it is time to take a step back and pray over what you're doing because the purpose of raising children is to raise godly offspring. And in order to do that, we have to disciple them and we have to actually be with them, and that's on us. So God also disciplines his children, Proverbs 3.11 and Hebrews 12.5, and he expects earthly parents to do the same. Proverbs 23.13 and Psalm 94.12 says this, blessed is the one you discipline, Lord, the one you teach from your law. That teaching, that discipline is a blessing. And by disciplining our children, we are blessing them. I know it doesn't feel like it in the moment. I hated discipline. I'm just going to be honest. I did not like giving my kids consequences. And a lot of times I waited too long and I was always sorry for it. (laughs) But really to to discipline, okay, so... The word discipline comes from the root word disciple. 
To discipline someone means you make a disciple of him. God's discipline is designed to conform us into the image of Christ, Romans 8, 29. There were big chunks of this that I just read in the last minute or two that came from a great article on Got Questions, on, um, and it's on raising children, and I will include that link in the notes because it's excellent further study. So as I said before, we are not perfect parents, and we are on a journey growing closer to the Lord just like anyone else. So we have to be careful that as we grow into more and more obedience to the Lord, we don't allow condemnation to take root and cause us to parent from a place of guilt or fear. We will make mistakes, but we need to lean into the grace that the gospel offers. And when we sin against our kids, we need to make it right with them and with God. And we do that by saying we are sorry specifically, okay? So if I have reacted to my child because they grated on me for some reason um, and I yelled at them, I would say to them, it was wrong for me to yell at you. Uh, that was prideful. I And I was trying, I was doing parenting my own way instead of the way that God calls me to. And that was wrong. And, and, that, and so it was the sin of pride, me thinking that I could do better than God. And even though it happened in, in a half a second, that's the heart that was behind it. So apologize specifically. And, um, and if your child is, was, was doing anything that was wrong as well, they need to still be held responsible for that. What you want to do is to make that dividing line between what's your responsibility and what is theirs. Even if you reacted to them poorly and then they came back with a whole bunch of really bad things, they're still responsible for that. And I know that sounds harsh, but at the end of the day, we've got to teach personal responsibility. And I'm going to talk about that in just a minute because I want to talk about mom guilt for just a minute. One of the struggles for moms is that that never-ending mom guilt. Uh, this can really hinder us from effectively doing what God has called us to do as moms. Our culture sends constant messages that encourage us to indulge our children and I often find moms feeling guilty for their children's sins. On the one hand, parents have a responsibility because they are allowing the sin to continue by not doing their job training their children. On the other hand, their children also carry a responsibility and we need to hold their feet to the fire. It's separating mom's responsibility from the child's responsibility. That's what helps kick mom guilt to the curb. We need to embrace what God has called us to do. So we fall back not on our emotions or on our own wisdom, but on God's. By training and teaching our kids what God thinks about everything, we are giving them a biblical worldview and helping them get to know who God is so that they can learn to hear his voice when he speaks to them. So whatever situation they are in throughout their lives, they will know to stop and ask, how would God want me to respond to this? And they'll know the answer because they know their God. I want to share with you a devotional that I read the other day that just totally hit the nail on the head. 
It is from New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp. I would highly recommend this devotional. There are There's a devotional for every single day, and he includes a passage, not just a verse, um, that you can uh, read for further study and encouragement. All right. So here's what he had to say. I knew there was only one way to help him. It was the only way because he didn't want my help. He was only four years old and had already begun to deny his weaknesses. He desperately wanted to be independently strong and wise, but he wasn't. He wanted to believe that he didn't need the wise words and strong arms of a parent, but he did. He wanted to believe that he knew more than he did and had more ability than he had. So he fought my parenting care once again. Then it hit me. He needed to experience his weakness so that he would run for my care. So I walked away. No, not because I was mad at him and walking away was the best way to punish him. I walked away because I loved him and it was the best way to get him uh, to uh, basically to seek and esteem that love. I knew what would happen. I knew he would not He could not do what he was fighting so hard to do independently. I knew that at some point he would give up, admit his weakness to himself, and seek my help. About a half hour later, I heard the pitter-patter of his little feet on the hallway floor. He peeked around the corner and said, I can't do it. I said, what do you want daddy to do? And he said words that were good for his heart to say, I need your help. So it is okay for our kids to come face to face with their weakness. And as you'll notice, um, you've probably already thought of this, we do the same thing in our relationship with God. And as we're parenting our children, we find ourselves in weak places where we don't know what to do. We're out of, you know, we need his help. We're out of ideas. Um, And so we go to the Lord and we ask him for help. And this is what I wanna really encourage as parents. Make sure that you are seeking God's wisdom for your particular family, your particular children. Instead of just believing and um, absorbing what's going on in the culture around us or even the kind of parenting that we see a lot of parents um, you know, doing, we need wisdom from God. We want to raise our kids as godly offspring. So let's take a minute and talk a bit about our children's responsibility. If you search the scriptures for what the role of children actually is, it's really simple. A child's main job given by God is to honor and obey their parents. That's it. Why is this important? Well, it keeps things simple and allows the parents to fulfill the role that God has given them to train their children so the children can grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I actually used to explain this to our kids. You know, they would try to, I don't know, make things really complicated. And I would look at them and say, listen, whether or not, you know, you think my idea is good or bad, um, and, and obviously... I did have conversations with my children and listened to them and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, their job was to obey whatever decision I came to. That is their job, to honor and obey their parents. If they do this, God will honor it. And I think they need to know that. And it's a great way to start sort of encouraging them towards owning their relationship with God. So if mom messes up or if mom's making a mistake or they think mom's making a mistake, they trust God 
um, because they're, and they trust God by walking in obedience, by saying, okay, I think she's making a mistake, but you know, I'm going to trust God because my job is to honor and obey my mom. And so they do that. And it, it just keeps things so clean because at the end of the day, who's going to be responsible for that decision? Are they? No. So I wouldn't allow my children to concern themselves with things that weren't their responsibility. Um, Sometimes I would just point them back to that scripture, children, obey your parents in the Lord, Um, honor your father and mother that it will go well with you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. That's Deuteronomy 2.12. I believe that there is a reason that it says, um, obey your parents in the Lord. And I think I shared this in a previous episode that you know, a parent asking a child to sin is the one situation where the child has permission from God to not obey. So I think that's really important to, to know. The discipline and dis- discipling of parents towards the children is God's provision, grace, and blessing for our kids in order to grow them in wisdom and lead them gently to the cross. I will say that most of my kids don't remember when they, you know, quote unquote, became a Christian. They don't remember ever not being one. That is a blessing. I heard a pastor say once, it doesn't matter if you saw the sun rise. It only matters that it's shining. I love that. That passage back in Deuteronomy, again, I'm going to read it again, Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 3. These are the commands and decrees and laws of the Lord your God, the laws your Lord, the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey that it will go well with you and you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. So we embrace the promises of God to bless his people as we teach our children his ways. We live in obedience to him. We teach our children the same. So the parent-child relationship You probably already know this, but it reflects our relationship with God. Our kids are learning from us if God is actually sovereign, good, just, and merciful. In other words, they're learning from us if God is actually who he says he is and who we say he is. So again, are we walking out and living before our kids, modeling that we do actually really, truly trust in the Lord. This is a big responsibility, but it also keeps us in a wonderful accountability to the Lord because I know that you listeners are um, just have a heart to raise godly children and want to do what's right before the Lord. And, um, you know, just parenting is such a, a wonderful way to grow our relationship with the Lord as well. But I want to say that, again, we are modeling, um, you know, the parent-child relationship reflects a relationship between, you know, between us as adults, you know, and our relationship with God. 
So what happens is that our children learn to yield to God's authority by first yielding to ours. So we're reflecting God to them, but we're also exampling a relationship with God as well. So there's a couple of things going on there. But again, as they learn to yield to God's authority, um, they'd learn to do that by first yielding to ours. It's it's a wonderful sort of, it's a training for them. So they're being trained um, by us, towards us, to, to then transfer that over to their relationship with God. God knew we would not do this parenting thing perfectly, but he provided the cross and it's the grace that floods all all the gaps and the cracks that are humanly impossible to fill. Training our children biblically means disciplining and discipling them for their long-term good. It means being their friend is not your top priority. It's an investment that requires us to be relentless and diligent in thinking long-term versus short-term. We can't afford to be short-sighted or fixed on instant gratification. One question I would ask myself when a child would act out was this, what will this behavior look like in three years or five years or 10 years? So what can seem kind of cute and funny very well may not be. Now that doesn't mean that we don't giggle a little bit inside or, you know, turn aside and and giggle where our kids aren't seeing us because our kids are hilarious. They do some pretty funny things. Um, But we have to ask ourselves whether that's a behavior that we want to see continue to grow or whether we should nip it in the bud. Let's let's ask ourselves what it's going to look like in three years or five years or 10 years. You know, you often see uh, teens out there and you wonder how in the world they could be in such a bad way. Um, And it starts when they are much younger and no one cared enough to set firm, loving boundaries. Now, parents often reverse the biblical and natural process. Um, So here's what often happens is while they can still manhandle the children when they're young, they don't set real clear, firm boundaries. They just kind of like let them go. And then as they get older and older and older, it becomes a lot harder to rein them in. But a lot of parents try to do that. They let them go when they're younger and then they head towards the teen years and all of a sudden they try to you know, rein them back in and it doesn't work. We need to start early. Now, if you're listening and you have teenagers, it is never too late to start. So I do wanna say that. But if at all possible, try to start as early as possible. And I'm gonna be talking about some of this in the next podcast, some of the practicalities of what that looks like in the very early years and just sort of like progressively over the years. But training has to be done from a place of love for our children, love that sees past the moment into the future while also being present and extending grace when it's called for. It has to be done intentionally, keeping in mind what is ultimately best for the child in the long run. This doesn't mean we're expecting a four-year-old to act like a 12-year-old or a 10-year-old. We have to be aware of where our kids are developmentally and understand the difference between childishness and foolishness. And I mentioned this in another podcast episode, but I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna describe it again. You've got children at the table, and one in particular just you know just not doing anything crazy, but just knocks a glass of milk over. Well, that is childishness. Now, if you have warned that child to to settle down, to stop being so wild 
or whatever, you've given them a warning and then it happens, that is foolishness and that needs to be dealt with. Foolishness is defined in Proverbs. The book was written to, um, to it was written by King Solomon and it's sort of written from a parent to a son. Proverbs 28, 26, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. So this is telling us, what does a fool look like? This helps describe it so that we can, when we're watching our children and when we're running into different things and we're just walking along the way with them, uh, we can really be able to recognize when they're being foolish. So again, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. So we want our kids, our kids need to be teachable. A fool is not teachable. Proverbs 22, verse three, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. It's that looking ahead, right? We want to teach our, our kids to look ahead and not just be impulsive, right? Proverbs 18.2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. I know I've had some very opinionated children, and sometimes they needed to dial it back because it was foolish for them to not be, you know, how they get in these arguments with each other. And they're so dead set on, on communicating their viewpoint and all they're looking for is understanding from the other person or from us, but they're not actually trying to understand uh, from the other person's point of view what exactly went down. So again, that's foolishness. Proverbs ten twenty three: doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. So you've got those goof off kids who just kind of like don't take you seriously when you're telling them to do something or not do something, that's foolishness right there. Proverbs 6, verses 20 to 23 say, My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. Think about that. Looking forward to our kids as adults, that our guidance will come back to their minds. Um, it goes on to say, for this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light and correction and instruction are the way to life. Isn't that beautiful? God has given you, the parent, authority and responsibility. And might I add privilege? Raising children is a privilege. But we have this responsibility, authority in our children's lives to train, to correct, and direct them. Your counsel matters. It should be respected, honored, and obeyed. Now, there were times that I, uh, my children, you know, I would give an instruction and my kids would make what we would call a respectful appeal. So we would allow them to do that. You know, maybe they uh, felt like they needed to do something else before we, um, you know, before they did the thing we were asking them to do. Now, we would allow them to talk to us about that as long as they were respectful and obedient as a rule and not constantly arguing with us. That, that the rule was that they were respectful and obedient, not 
having ongoing uh, problems with all of our direction. Um, because, you know, they are still in training and they can't be trusted to not still be trying to rule over you as a parent. So if you've got a child who, who for the, for the, as the rule is constantly questioning you and arguing with you about your direction, um, that child is still in training. They have not graduated to be able to give, to ask for a respectful appeal. Um, They're still in training and they can't be trusted to not still be trying to rule over you as a parent. And so you get to make that decision as the parent. You get to discern and decide that. So expect obedience, respect, and honor in their actions and in their words. And we all know some kids are great in follow through, but they'll talk back, okay? We need to still deal with the talking back. And others don't talk back, but they don't follow through. So that's a, that's a more passive form of disobedience. It's our job to keep a pulse on this with our kids. And I'm going to leave you with my little garden story. If you've heard me speak before, uh, you know I love to tell this story. And I often rela- uh, relate it to homeschooling, but it is also the same when it comes to nurturing our kids physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and Obviously, discipline is a huge part of that, and discipling is a huge part of that. So there was this year that, um, well, I gardened for several years, and I noticed this one year that I had an abundant harvest, and I had to ask myself, what was the difference? And I knew immediately what I had done differently. Every single day, I went out to that garden. It wasn't for copious amounts of time, typically. But because I checked in on it every single day, I knew exactly what was going on with each of the plants. I knew if something was trying to eat it, if I needed to deal with some pests or it needed extra water or whatever. I was very apprised. I had a pulse on how each of my plants was doing. And we do the same thing with our children because what happens is we are checking in with them every day. There's an accountability that comes with that, but that is part of nurturing our children is checking in with them. How are they doing? Maybe it's just watching them. Maybe it's listening. Maybe it's um, you know, asking questions or having a conversation with them, but we're checking in on them. How are they doing? And, you know, we're watching for obedience and respect and honor and, and anything deviating from the boundaries that we have set in place. It's our job to keep a pulse on that. That's what parenting is. And so what I noticed about this garden, like I mentioned before, because I was able to go, because I went in every day and was able to... Um, check on everything, and I did check on everything, was faithful to do that, I could waylay any big disasters. And on top of that, I had an abundant harvest. And this is what we want in our children. We want to raise godly offspring. Join me in the next episode for some really practical tips and stories on how to implement uh, the kind of discipline that I'm talking about. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for today. Thank you for giving us your word, for giving us um, a lamp that lights our way, not just in life in general, but also when it comes to parenting. Lord, you love our kids more than we do, and you want us to raise godly children. So you are ready and willing to help us. So Lord, help us not to be prideful, 
Help us not to hesitate to ask for help, but to come to you and ask for wisdom that only you can give. You said in James 1 that if we lack wisdom, and we do quite often, that we are to ask you and that you would give it to us generously without finding fault. In other words, you're not you're not looking at us going, well, you're not a perfect parent, so I'm not going to give you the wisdom you need. No, that's not what you do. We ask and you give it generously. But the caveat, it goes on to say, is that when we believe, we must, we, when we ask, we must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man uh, or woman shouldn't think they're ever going to receive anything from the Lord. They're double-minded, unstable in all they do. Lord, we don't want to be unstable. We want to be consistent, and we want to implement the wisdom that you give us um, in order to raise a godly generation. We praise you. We thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.